Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Amanda Kruger. Hi everyone, welcome to my second episode of Backstage with Becca B. If you've seen any of my Instagram videos from Rockwell, you've probably seen this next guest and a few of them. She's a Rockwell regular and definitely a Rockwell favorite. She has been since 2017 when she did Home Alone. Uh, so please welcome Amanda Kruger. Yeah. So good to see you. Good to see you too. I miss theater and everything. Me and too. I miss performing. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I miss seeing perform and posting videos on Instagram and stuff. And yeah, I bet. So yeah. Well, it's good we get to see each other then in this yeah. weird time. Right? In this virtual, yes. virtual reality or something. Whatever this is. I don't know. I don't know what's Who knew that Zoom before. was going to be the thing to connect yeah. us all? It's crazy. I didn't even know what Zoom was like eight months ago. But Me neither. <laughs> yeah. It was like a childhood TV show for me. <laughs> right? For real. Oh, I remember that show. So you performed at Rockwell since 2017 ish. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Home Alone so, was my first yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when was the first time you heard of Rockwell? Was it like uh, when you got cast for Home Alone or when you auditioned? Mm, kind of, but not really. No. Um, I, I actually, I did like um, a cabaret performance at Rockwell back when the wall was still up. So that was the first time I'd ever been in the space. And then I had had an audition for, for the record, Baz Luhrmann, that I didn't go to because I was sick. Oh, but I no. knew this was, I know it was like, and that's when they were doing them there. And then yeah. what did I see? I think I saw, I saw Devil Wears Prada. And okay. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen ever. I want to do this so badly. I was close with someone with, um, I don't know if you ever met Kaylin Adeen, but yes. he was a stage manager there and he uh, understudied in Prada. So I went, I mean, I must've seen Prada like five times. I went, I saw Lana as Andy. I saw Kelly Jekyll as Andy. I saw Rumor Willis as Andy. I saw Kaylin step in for the Stanley Tucci role. Like, I mean, I, I went over and over again because I was obsessed. It was so good. And so I asked Kaylin, I was like, how do I, because we worked together at Don't Tell Mamas. I was like, how do I get in on this? Like, please, somebody help me. And he was like, look, they hire a lot of the same people over and over again. He was like, um, but I'll send you their stuff or I'll send you, I'll send them your stuff. So I think then... I don't know if there was like another show that happened that I like, I was like, when did those auditions happen? I don't remember what was in between, but then I know True Beverly Hills auditions came up and he was like, they said you can self-take. So I did, I don't think they watched it. Um, I was super bummed out. Uh, so too. then I, I went to Bridesmaids auditions because those ones they were having in person for the first time ever. Like, I think they were just usually just casting people that they'd worked with. So I went to Bridesmaids I got called back for Natalie Lander's part and didn't book it, obviously. And I was like so excited because I was so close and then no cigar. So I wasn't going to go anymore because I was like, I'm done with the <laughs> Obviously not meant for me. I like, I want it so bad, but it's not happening. And I used to, so I, then I went 
to homeworks. I was like, okay, one more time. <laughs> I'll go one more time. And I got called back for Kevin and for the role I think I ended up playing. And I kind of let go of it. I think I didn't think I got it. And then I was at my husband's birthday party. He was in my then boyfriend. And uh, I got an email that I think I was gonna be the understudy for the role I ended up playing. And I think the person who maybe got offered it first didn't want it. I mean, I think. So I got another email quickly after that was like, actually just kidding. You're gonna do it. You can do it if you want it. And I was like, are you kidding? Absolutely. I wanna, I wanna do it, I wanna do it, I wanna do it. I'll do anything you say. I'm just so happy to be here. <laughs> so uh, that's how I got into Rockwell. It took many years. <laughs> hey, kept on. Kept on going and auditioning and eventually about got it. Something calling my yeah. soul. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have to be here. Oh, and, and now so, you're regular. That yeah, now I get to time. do a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, uh, I was introducing you earlier as a Rockwell favorite, so I, uh, I was thanks, like, girl. Yeah. It's my favorite place, so it's very nice to know that it's reciprocated. <laughs> so much talent there. So. I mean, that's the amazing thing. And like right away working on Home Alone, you know, I knew Greg Neighbors already because we did cabaret shows together a lot. Um, so I knew him going into it. So like I was comfortable, but then I became close with Kate, whom I adore. And then, um, and I worked with Marty Thomas, who's obviously got a great resume. Um, and he was just really supportive and kind of like gave me the confidence to know that like, I was doing a good job and like I had a good work ethic and um, I covered both Noelle and Sarah Walters parts. I covered both bandits, but I never went on for them. So it was also like a really great kind of introduction into how to swing, how to cover other roles. That's something I'd never done before. And now I've done it a few times. So did you and, like have uh, all those parts memorized too? I did. Yeah, I oh did. I, I have, I worked with, two different scripts. So I had like my script for playing the 12 million little yes. parts here and there. And I just, for that, I just had to have like a flight plan of like, okay, I go here and then I go there and I pick up this to bring with me here because if I don't, I'm going to be screwed for the rest of the time. So like if that was, and that's just something I think all Rockwell performers feel, which is like for that space, you have to know where you're going and what you need once you get there. Is it already there? Do you have to bring it with yeah. you from somewhere else? Versus like, I think a proscenium stage where you like go off one side and you come on one side or, you know, it's, I think, a or you, you know, you go around the back and you can come on no problem. This is like, because of all the tables and people, you could get really screwed and the short time period. And if you don't have that wig, which has happened to all of us at least once, you gotta like figure out a way to improvise. Improv. <laughs> grab somebody else's wig um so yeah and then I worked with another script that had Noelle and Sarah's characters the two bandits in it but that was easier to cover because they're they were always together so it was just a matter of like knowing what they had to say more than it was like having to have two different light plans in my head yeah. if that made sense like they never were not in the same space at the same time versus covering two different roles that are doing different things like in scissor hands that was a little bit harder <laughs> yeah i've always been curious as to like how you all fit so much in your head when you're playing so many different parts it's just it's know. crazy to me <laughs> there's definitely times when i'm like i don't think it's possible there's no more room left in the noggin 
I don't yeah. think I'll get it in there. And somehow it gets in there. So I've always been good with names, but like, I don't think I could memorize like 20 different parts. Things You'd like be surprised that. what your brain will be capable of if the alternative is like screwing up and letting other people down in a way. Like, I mean, I guess that's kind of how I operate. I'm like, I don't want to let anyone down. Yeah. Like, I just want to do a good job. So like, it's like survival. <laughs> like my brain has to remember things. So I don't like let down my director or my castmates or whatever. Um, and I don't know, for me, the repetition of it, I think like the more you rehearse it or the more you hear it or the more you see it, it, it's, it just starts to stick the same way. Like we remember favorite lines from favorite movies or like, you know, favorite songs or whatever. It's just like, the more you listen to it, the more it's like, but everybody's different. Some people need to like see it. I, I like to listen to it and it helps to watch the shows if you're going on for somebody different, I guess. And you don't have the rehearsal time, but the more you go through your rehearsal and the more you read it and the more you do it, the more it just kind of sticks in there, I guess. I think. <laughs> I and what about improv? Does like it get easier as you go? Yeah, I'm, I, it's funny. I would not consider myself somebody who's like particularly like as improv strong. Like I've never taken, I think I took like one class at UCB, hated it, wasn't my jam. <laughs> I feel like when I started at Rockwell with Home Alone, improv was how a lot of these shows were made around that time is when they were trying to actually stick to a script and not go off the cuff too much, which works for me as a performer. But it's also like, we have some incredible comedic talent in that place. Um, like when Eric Peterson was in Stranger Things oh, and yeah. Ryan O'Connor always in all the things <laughs> that he does. I mean, like just some of these like creative brains that are constantly coming up with like witticisms and fun playful opportunities I think what they were just trying to do was like tame it down so that it didn't vary too much like day to day and didn't go on for too long it was just like containing it um I I struggle with that because I'll break like if like with Ryan it was because we were both like old people in Home Alone at one point and I just I oh never God. knew what he was gonna do and but I loved it you know like it's just like he kind of inducted me into the idea of like, this is Rockwell is its own animal and this kind of thing is going to happen. And can you hang? And sometimes yes. And sometimes I would just like <laughs> burst into laughter. I'm, I get, I enjoy the comedy as much as the audience does, unfortunately. And so I find it hard. Garrett Clayton used to get me too all the time in Stranger Things. He would oh just God. make this face as um, a screw it. Who is the guy? It's Nancy. It's Steve. He would make this face as Steve and I would just be like, like I couldn't, <laughs> I would just be like staring right at him. Like, <laughs> like, like so. stop. stop. <laughs> like, I know, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, think of something sad, think of yeah. something sad. <laughs> I mean, whenever I've gotten like pulled on stage at one of them, at one of these by you all, it's like, mm -hmm. I lose it, I crack out. And oh, yeah. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how you all do it. Uh, I don't either, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, growing up, did you always picture yourself getting involved in theater? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was singing and putting on shows in my house and acting from the time I could walk. I mean, when I was like, a, I mean, I, I was always singing. And I think that's because my mom would sing in the house. She's very shy about her voice and she won't sing now. But when I was growing up, 
I like, I remember her playing the chorus line soundtrack or Annie. I remember her singing to me as like a baby ish. I mean, that's a fuzzy memory because do we have <laughs> memories as babies? But like, I'm debatable. And then I'd always put on costumes. And by the time I was like in first grade and I had been to, I'd seen uh, like a high school theater production of Guys and Dolls. And then in second grade, my family took me to see Phantom of the Opera for the first time. But the minute I saw Guys and Dolls, my friend and I would put on the whole musical by ourselves. So I've, oh, I've, oh, oh, I'm one of those freaks that's always known I wanted to be an actress or actor. I prefer actor, but like I've always known I want to be an actor. Always, 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 always. No question. At one point I thought maybe I would be a horse trainer for the circus. <laughs> Didn't pan out. So here we well, are. I, I saw that because I was looking at resumes and I saw that on your resume and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff I've done. I, you know, I have not had by any means the trajectory that like one dreams of when they're like, I'm going to be an actor one day. Like it's been a lot of, I don't want to say the word struggle because I think that makes it sound so um, unaccomplished because I do feel like I've accomplished a lot. It's just not necessarily like I haven't been on Broadway yet, haven't been on TV as much as I'd like, haven't been in a major studio film yet you know so like things like that that we quantify as like accomplishments if i say i don't have those i think it sounds so negative because there's so much i've learned and there's so much i've done that i'm so grateful to have done and so many people i've worked with that i'm so grateful to have worked with so i won't say it's been a struggle but i will say it's been a lot of uh determination and i think a lot of um tenacity is the word i like to use like the idea that like even when things get really hard that this runs through my blood this is in my bones and i can't not do it um so yeah i think so it's been a lot of having to have that <laughs> that makes sense and there's no like right path for anything so no i don't think so i mean i'm like any artist i beat myself up about not having done the things i want to do at this point or i feel so far away from xyz and I think it's really easy as artists for us to like harp so much on the thing we're working towards and forget the things that we've done. And so like, that's something, you know, I try to remind myself often, especially with Rockwell is there was a time when I would have given my right ear to like have been in one of those shows, even for five minutes. And now I've had an opportunity to do more than one, but it's hard because it's like, I'm never really satisfied and I love it so much that it's like, I always want more, but sometimes I have to remind myself to stop, take a minute and be like, Hey, remember when you didn't have all these things that you wanted really, really badly. And now you've gotten to play and have fun with these people who you respect so much. Like that's yeah. pretty cool. And but it's like, you know, you have to stop yourself. So your brain's not like, but I haven't done this and I haven't done this. Like slow down a minute. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like a, trying not to compare yourself to others type thing. Oh my gosh, the biggest struggle for yeah, all people. It'll literally kill you. So, yeah, yeah, it just feels like the worst. So what has been your favorite role at Rockwell and how many shows have you been in there now? Ooh, okay. So um, I did, I did Home Alone and then bless Chad McMillan's sweetheart somewhere in the craziness of all the weird characters I played in Home Alone, he saw a Janet. And so I got yes. to do Rocky Horror, which was, I mean, it's so, we'll get back to that. So I did Rocky Horror, uh, Home Alone, 
Jurassic Park, so bless Nathan Moore, because he didn't yes. plan on casting a girl in that role either, but he saw my weird audition tape and was like, actually that works, so yay. Um, and then I did, I was the swing for Stranger Things. I covered Lana and I covered Kelly. Uh, I did just one show of, no, two shows of 10 Things I Hate About You, because I uh, Katie was away. And then I did League of Their Own. And then I covered all the female roles in Scissor Hands. So it's like bits here and there. So I yeah. think officially I've done like four like contracts. And then I've like slipped into roles. a You've few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I like it. I mean, I don't, I won't dare to say that I'm the only one who enjoys it. I'm sure that there's many other people yeah. who also like it. Um, sometimes, uh, I am not the person that they use for that in particular thing, but I'd like to think that I've shown them that I can do it. And so I'm on the table for that discussion when they need someone to fulfill that particular skill set. Cause it's hard to, yeah. it's hard emotionally. It's hard mentally. Like, you know, you go on for one day and like, there's no amount of rehearsal time that's going to prepare you to step in to fulfill the choices that somebody else has kind of crafted when they've created a role. It's like your job is to deliver the same product. So you don't change the way the story is being told. You don't change, you know, the things the other actors are playing off of. You don't want to remove that, but you also need to find some of your own stuff a little bit so that you can live in it and not just be like a robot. So it's natural. I'm still learning how to do that, to be honest. Like sometimes I still walk off and I'm like, I think I was a robot. Like, I well, I can't tell that you're still learning how to do that. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, it seems professional. Like all professional. So yeah, <laughs> it is. It's working. Good. All the good, time. Good, good, And then my favorite. Oh, so hard. <laughs> That's so hard. So it's got to be Kit, right? Like, I think it's got to be Kit. And then, so my favorite character and I think my favorite, um, just like cast family, I think was League because we really still are like a, a family and maybe it's because it was a story about a team. And so we had to have that yeah. vibe, but it's the, you know, we have group chats and it's the group chat that's still like blows up all the time. And um, it was a time of, you know, things changing at Rockwell. So we all kind of went through that together and um yeah and I just something like I Kit was just like the teacher I needed in, in that moment you know like I think that's like a obviously you know what I was just saying where I'm like oh you know it's not been easy I feel like I have to really like stick you know stick with it but I can't give it up because I love it so much I think that's Kit you know so yeah it was also the character that was like already kind of closest to who I am as a human being um but there were elements of who she was as well or of what that show taught me that I didn't necessarily bring to the table before I started, you know, to learn how to uh, be a leader and to, you know, to take charge and uh, kind of cheerlead people and like bolster the morale of a group. I think we all took that mantle a little bit at some point, you know, um, to just like, I don't know, just champion each other. It was a bunch of like, I, w I won't just say women because I think the guys in the cast did it just as much, but it was a bunch of people just like continually lifting each other up. And I think that's just got to do with like, yeah. And I mean, yeah. that's part of who Emma is. First of all, if you've ever met or spent time with Emma, like Emma's always lifting up other people. That's like her gift. She's so wonderful at it. And so since that was our director, it made sense that then we all kind of caught that a little bit 
And then it just caught on like wildfire and it became like the spirit of the show and it was really, really special. And then I think Rocky Horror was really special too. I really love Rocky as a, as an experience, as a cast. It was obviously kind of a guerrilla production in that like, it wasn't totally a parody. <laughs> we didn't totally have permission. Like, <laughs> it was just lightning in a bottle. It was, I mean, I'm also like on a sentimental note, like Rocky Horror Picture Show and Rocky Horror Show have been a huge part of my growing up in theater of my growing up and craving a queer theater space. Like so many parts of Rocky have been so special and integral to me in my life. And I think that's a lot of people who love that show so much can say the same thing. Like it's, it's a cult film, but it's like, it's a lifestyle to be like a Rocky Horror person. So like, I mean, before we even started rehearsal, I knew that whole show front to cut, like front to back, I knew it. Like I could have told you anybody's lines. I know the callbacks, like, I mean, I wrote a paper on it in college, I'm obsessed. <laughs> so for me, being that I know so much about that show and I love it so much, I'm also highly critical of productions and shadow casts and things that you see. And I think Chad, who is our director also really loves Rocky like so much and just understood the nuances of these characters and the things that would make it more magical than anything you'd ever seen before. And then that coupled with an immersive space, it was just, it was very special. It, and it, I mean, I mean, hello, like what a cast, like, oh my God, I mm -hmm. love all those people so much. I'm in awe of that level of talent. I just felt like I was like, hashtag blessed to be here. Like, you know, so excited that you asked me to do this. I don't know how, what what you drank or smoked or whatever to give you that idea, but like, let's go with it. So happy to be here. And then, yeah, I mean, Neil Starkenberg and Frankie and Ali Mixner. And then um, that was, I think, I think, I want to say, I think that was Mallory's first show choreographing for Rockwell. And then what? she went on to what? Jurassic Park. Yeah. So like, and then she's changed my life. I love her so much. Yeah, so so all of it was just lightning in a bottle, very special. I miss it all the time. I think that that would have been like the coolest staple to have like a quarterly midnight Rocky at Rockwell, but it's tricky to get the rights for that one. And yep. <laughs> but I mean, Rockwell is like the place that I actually got introduced to Rocky, I think. Oh, really? Surprisingly. Surprisingly. Yeah. I think maybe Glee first, but it was right. like back I when I was too young. I can't believe I hadn't seen, I'd never seen one of the Rockwell Rockies live. Like I'd seen photos from it because, um, you know, I think yeah. just through Kaylin's social media and you know, other people that I knew that knew people that were in it. And because um, I know I've known Jordan Kybernet for a really long time, too. And I know she used to do it a lot. I think she used to be Columbia quite a bit. So, I mean, I knew it was happening. I just like, I guess I never made it. I think it was always only on New Year's. And so I probably wasn't in yeah. LA or whatever the case may be. I always missed it. But yeah, it was it was the one I went to first was on New Year's Eve, I think. Yeah. And I like came back to all I like it as for it and I was like I want to go yeah. to a show on New Year so I'm going back to LA sorry fam peace <laughs> bye bye yeah. it's yeah. a really good time although I will say I thoroughly enjoyed the Cherry Poppins New Year's oh, show yeah. this year I really like that was that was really really fun I didn't go to the New Year's one but 
the I went to one earlier that month. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. probably the Nightmare Before Christmas. That one was really yeah. good too. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, if you could suggest the next movie that uh, Rockwell turns into a musical, what would it be? <laughs> oh, I really want them to do like. I would love for them to do like um, Labyrinth or Princess Bride, which I know have been like suggested before. I think both of those would be amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of like other, cause I think I really love when they do like kind of retro uh, movies, you know, from like the nineties. Like I love, I mean, I loved Never Been Kissed at the Rockwell. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Couldn't believe the energy of that show, the stamina of like all the dancing and all the, it was just like, once that show started, it was like, it did not stop. And I loved that. But, um, so yeah, I would say like something like that. I mean, it's hard to do something like she's all that because you've kind of already done it with like Devil Wears Prada and Never Been Kissed. It's like, it gets tricky because some of those movies, like they're all kind of very similar, which is why I think it would be cool to do like a fantasy 80s movie like Labyrinth, like Princess Bride, that has a huge, like, kind of nerd following. Um, because it would be very different from anything they've ever done. So I think that'd be really cool. I'd be down. I actually haven't seen either of those, but <gasps> I haven't seen a lot of move uh movies that have been turned into the musicals. And right. then I go and watch the movies after I see the right. musical, which is really fun. But then I start like inserting the songs that are supposed to be in certain scenes and the scenes in my head. And right, I'm like, why right. isn't this playing in the back? <laughs> you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think either of those would be really cool. I think, um, I mean, I also really love what Bradley did with Scissorhands, where it was yeah. like not quite a parody. Um, so I would love to see another one of those, you know, that has like a really kind of um, important message, has a lot of heart. And it, even though it's like kind of a movie from, you know, the 90s or the 80s, uh, the story bring it kind of evokes something that we're all going through right now, which is what I feel like Both. you know was done with scissor hands and yeah. So I mean, definitely like something. I think I hum- sometimes I think almost like making a parody out of movies that are already funny can be really tricky because it's like how do you make funny on top of funny? Which is why I thought Jurassic Park was really fun and Stranger Things was really fun because then we can poke fun at like these like plot holes or like, yeah. you know, things that don't make sense or things that are just outlandish. Whereas I think, you know, uh, with like even Home Alone, right? It's like the movie's already funny. So it's like, how do you find the jokes on top of the jokes? They always find a way, but I think it's like, that's why like, I think the next one, I would like to see something that's like, yeah, it's Jaws, I think has been talked about too, would be really funny. Oh, yeah, like, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that'd be cool. I have, I'm glad I'm not the one writing them because obviously yeah. I'm like, I don't know anything. Since we've talked a lot about Rockwell, how would you describe it to someone who's never heard of it? Ooh, um, I have, feel like I have to do that a lot. So I'm, I feel like I'm okay at it. I'm getting, I'm getting good at it. I would say that, um, first of all, it's a way to experience a show that's happening all around you. I also think it is the best way to see the top talent in this city. And I'm speaking mostly about the people that I share the stage with, because some of them have these incredible careers, but they have incredible talent to back it up. So it's not like you're seeing a show that's like 
milking a name just for the name. Like you are seeing powerhouse talents that, you know, have been on Broadway or been on TV and they're literally singing in your face. Like there's no cheap seat in Rockwell. I think, you know, you go to a proscenium space and sometimes what you can afford or what you can um, get is really far away from the stage. And you're yeah. like, I think, I think that that's like Julia Stiles, <laughs> really teeny uh, in Oleana. Like, you know, that kind of thing is like, what makes Rockwell special to me is that you can literally feel it happening like in your skin. It's like, it's so electric, it's so around you. It's so high energy because you can't drop the energy when you're like in someone's face. You know, you don't, you don't have the luxury of distance to like cheat it a little cause you're not feeling on that day. Like you just have to like muster all the strength you have and all the adrenaline you have and the audience feels it. And it's, I think the most exciting form of theater. Yeah, no, audience participation is. Oh yeah, that's always too. So you should warn people about that. I'm really oh. bad about that. <laughs> and then oh. they're like, "You didn't tell me," and I'm like, "Yeah." No. But then, but then they'll be like, "Me," and they'll and they'll be like, "No." <laughs> yeah, I definitely have brought some people that I'm like, "Please don't bring that person up on stage. They will be very unhappy." <laughs> yeah. Or or just cover their face like me. <laughs> right, right. Please don't look at me. Please. Don't look at me. We always look for those people, though. Yeah. You know, that's like oh the yeah, way to do it. And I'm, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> uh, so who is your musical theater idol or role model? Emma Hunton. <laughs> okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> I love her so much. I just think like, I, I, I'm like continually in awe of how amazingly talented she is on stage and the choices she makes and the presence and the energy. And I just love her. Yeah, I love and her so much. She stepped into like never been kissed and like. Oh my God. There's worried. literally nothing that she can't do. <laughs> she was like, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to do all or something. Like, I don't know if I have a moon. I'm like, I love her gosh. so much. <laughs> like you're so. The humility is what makes her so yeah. beautiful. So, you know, like she's so never good. walking around. Like she thinks she's better than anyone. She's always making you feel like you're the star. Um, but she is a star and I love her so much. And I think she's definitely like, I'm like, if only I just want to be, I want to make and sound and <laughs> all the things. When you're going in for an audition, how do you like normally prepare for it? Oh my God, pee my pants. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst audition nerves ever. The worst audition nerves ever. I will, I will tell you straight up. I don't actually uh, care to audition for musical theater anymore because I actually can't handle the psychology of waiting in a room for a long period of time. Um, I do always bring headphones now if I am auditioning for a musical that's, you know, Rockwell is like a safe space. Rockwell is my family. It doesn't mean I still don't get nervous. I still get so, 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 so nervous, but it's almost like because people know what I'm capable of, I, I'm able to walk in with at least a little security that even if I eat shit, they know what I can do. And so they're not going to like, be like, Oh, this girl, what is she doing? Like, you know, that there's, there's a trust there for me. Um, and, but I, I do, I do get them. I get the most nerves. I get such terrible audition nerves. I always wear headphones cause I don't want to hear what people are saying to each other. I don't want people, I mean, this sounds terrible, but not at Rockwell, but other auditions, I don't want people to talk to me. Um, because they may think they're saying something helpful, but it might actually like, like get to your head, cause me to spin out. Yeah. So, um, I would say that that's, that's my routine. And I try to do something nice for myself after, because no matter what I could give the best audition of my life, I'm still going to find something to pick apart. 
because I'm really hard on myself and a control freak. So uh, I try to do something nice after like a burger or iced coffee or I don't know, whatever, something that like makes me go like, good job. <laughs> That'll do, Pete, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you did it. A reward. You did this thing yes. you didn't want to do, but you sucked it up. You went in there and yeah. you probably won't love what you did, but you did it. <laughs> like, You're going to keep yourself, but it's fine. <laughs> yes. yes. And you know, I have to, I, this is something I know about myself and it's, it's something I know I have to work on. I have to let it go and leave it in the room. I am so terrible about like overanalyzing every little thing. And so I think part of like the getting of a something or of the doing of the something nice for myself afterwards is a way to say, okay, and now we close that and you can resume your life uh, and try not to think about it because the worst part is the waiting. <laughs> yeah. See, I feel like a lot of you performers are tough on yourself because like if you like think you messed up one thing you think oh, like yeah. everyone heard it and it's like what I didn't hear it oh Is yeah it's like remember? all I can remember I and I know I can tell you the thing that I messed up in scissor hands in December <laughs> like I remember all of those things but I I'm terrible at remembering the things that I did right and well and instead I'm like Oh God, that harmony, it wasn't really a harmony, Amanda. <laughs> and if you ask any audience members, they'd be like, what are you talking no. about? <laughs> doesn't matter, I, like, doesn't I, matter. I, you <laughs> could tell me I was brilliant. All I'll remember is that I sang the wrong harmony and ruined the whole uh, show. <laughs> no. But we do have to like Possible. work on, I mean, like I joke so much about it, but it's like, it's so easy to, to harp on the things that we don't do well. And I do think that, you know, the the next levelness of it all and the the way to get to the next level just energetically in your career is to give yourself a time limit um i can be sad about this for five minutes and then no more i'm going to move on i'm going to let it go leave it in the room whatever those things are so that you can just trust that the work you've put in up until this point will carry you where you need to go uh, rather than just think like oh this one thing ruined everything it's just not the case it's never the case yeah. I'm, and like now I, I can hear this little voice that's like, Amanda, listen to yourself. You need to hear this. But like, <laughs> Don't overthink it. <laughs> exactly. No, any day, overthinking. Any no, 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 no. <laughs> With anything. Uh, if you could give your younger self advice, what would it be? <sighs> Work harder, date less, um, <laughs> uh, and um, stop and enjoy the moment. Like stop and just take it in and enjoy, work harder, date less. Not to say that like <laughs> you shouldn't date, but like personally, I mean, I, I just feel like I've grown to love the work so much that I just can't get enough of it. And I think when I was younger and I had work, I didn't enjoy the process in the, in the same way. And it's like, that's the grown up advice, I think, is to go back in time and be like, yes, we want to have fun. Yes, this feels like something that just grows on trees and will keep coming all the time. There might be periods of time in which there's not a lot of it. And I think, you know, it's important to love it right then and there. And I think when we're young, uh, we probably spend more time being anxious or, uh, focusing on something else that we think is more important, but really is very like temporal. And the work is always going to be the thing. The work is always going to be the thing that fills you, but it's not always going to be there. So when you have it, just 
Ooh, I love it so much. If you could work with any actor or actress who you haven't worked with yet, who would it be? Whether it's Rockwell, anywhere. Okay. I really have always wanted to work with Anthony Hopkins, like more than anything in the whole wide world. I love him. He's an absolute <laughs> job. And I, I, I think he's my only celebrity crush. I just adore him. Um, that I think that, that's, that's my big one. I'm trying to think like who else, like I really, really love. I mean, I've, I've thought a lot about like, um, you know, I've always, I, I'm not a, ironically, I don't love doing comedy when it comes to like, the TV and film world, but I've always wanted to work with James Burroughs because he's like a legend. Um, so he was the, he was um, the creator of Cheers and he, you know, directed a lot of Will and Grace and directed the pilot of Friends. Um, so those are two biggies for me. I'm trying to think who else would I love to work with? I mean, I'd love to work with Bradley Bredewig again. I loved that experience so much. I grew so much. I learned so much from him and he has just this very um grounded and um deep energy when he's you know working i spent a lot of time on the sidelines watching him work with the other actors and it's just like you just know that you're gonna get better through that process so i would love to work with him again i should say it would be yeah, cool he creates good good stage music, oh, good shows good the best everything yeah. yes <laughs> I mean, even, we should put you on TV show. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm actually watching The probably. Fosters for the first time <gasps> ever. And really? I'm riveted. I can't believe I had never seen it before. It's just, and I'm like, how many issues have we tackled in this show so beautifully? And I'm still only in season one? Like, I'm like, yeah. we've talked about trans issues. We've talked about police brutality already. And this is not right now. Like, that's yeah. the thing that I keep reminding myself is that this show was on a, a few years ago, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, crazy. Seven, so good, so ago? ahead of its time. Love, love, love. Yeah, it's so good. What is still on your like bucket list theater wise? Theater wise? Oh, I don't know. That is so interesting because I feel like my bucket list for theater has kind of gone away. I mean, like I, I love theater. I love performing. I, I, I think I would love the opportunity to be on Broadway. I do know uh, that it is going, or it is the hardest job on the planet, like to me to do eight yeah. shows a week in that kind of an audience with that amount of pressure and money riding on your back. I mean, whoa. Um, so theater, I, that's tough. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I would really love to do, I think like one of the For the Record shows. I love those guys and I love what yeah. they're doing. I think it's really badass. Um, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think that, I guess, would be a bucket list item for me, for theater. I mean, for, for because like TV and film has always been primarily my focus since I graduated from school, I would say, you know, I, I would love to be a series regular on a TV show. But I think the more I think about it, the less it becomes about the position and the more it becomes about the content. I would really like to be a part of a show, any show, theater, TV, film, whatever, that um, does kind of what Scissorhands did, 
which is, I think, you know, take issues, particularly surrounding the queer community, um, particularly surrounding love and acceptance and differences and tolerance and really just like open it up, you know, really like tear it open, open it up and force people to think maybe about things they hadn't thought about before to give them an understanding of something they might not have understood before. That's just going to collectively force people to come together even a little bit closer, even if it's just for 45 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever the yeah. case may be. I think that that's really special. So that's I'd love a, to be a part of more, more of that, you know, more of those things. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing about like entertainment as mm -hmm. a whole is it's that like, it's an escape for those watching for like 45 minutes, two hours, et cetera. How do you think live theater will be different when it's allowed to come back? Oh, I try not to think about this too much because it really depresses me. Uh, um, I, I will tell you what, I, I'll, I'll go to the positive instead of the negative on this one. I think that live theater will be appreciated collectively in a new way. I think the performances you're gonna see are gonna have a rawness and a vigor and a survival to them that they've never had before. Because, you know, not to say that we don't understand what it's like not to have work. As actors, I think all of us understand what it's like to go through a period of time without work. And it doesn't matter if it's a month or a year or 10 years, it hurts no matter what, because we love it. And it's like your life's purpose. So you need to be doing it, you know? Um, but I think this is, and it's, it's a collective waiting, you know, it's not like I'm not working, but you're working. It's like, we are collectively sitting here with no way of doing this thing. We love so much with no way of having an audience right there. Cause I know people, and we're doing, you know, zoom performances and I think yeah. it's so amazing, but the, the liveness of it all, I think when we all come together as this collective family is going to be electric. I mean, and I think it will last that way for a long time because I don't think this is something we'll ever forget. Yeah, definitely. There's something just not right about watching something take place on a, watching a show take place on a Zoom call and like laughing at your computer or applauding at your computer and there's no one else around to applaud with yeah. you or something like that. But at the same time, I applaud, you know, artists for finding a way through the limitations. And I think that's the thing that's so special about the arts is people will always find a way to tell stories. Even if you take away the money, even if you take away the theater, even if you take away the audience, artists are gonna find a way. And I, I personally find this time to be really overwhelming emotionally. And I'm not necessarily always in a position where my brain is circumventing the limitations. I'm just kind of like sad. And so the people who are capable of doing that and are still creating art and finding ways to like, you know, make musicals and um, like what After Hours Theater Company is doing with yeah. um, Definitely Not Clue, I think is incredible. And it's like, I'm so grateful to those people because it's almost like a they're circumventing all these limitations, which is a new skill set that will be carried into the future of theater. But also, they're keeping the love of it alive, so people won't forget. You know, like not that we ever could really, but I don't know. There's something about it that's reminding people, like, "Hey, let's play." You know, and I think that's yeah. really special. Like the creativeness is still out there. The artist. Yeah. There. 
it hasn't completely disappeared. Exactly. Just because we exactly. aren't allowed to be together. <laughs> right. And it's not going to fulfill us in the same way necessarily, but it's maybe fulfilling in a whole new way. And it's life-saving in probably a whole new way too, you know, for people who are really struggling and really missing that, that entertainment and that live, you know, person sort of in front of you. Right. I mean, yeah. it's still different than what you see on a TV screen. It's raw in its own way. What advice would you give to young performers? Which kind of goes on oh to my the gosh. Don't, don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, like, that's obviously the thing I struggle with, like, so hard. And so it's like, don't be like me. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, pay attention. Pay attention to the people who came before you. And um, I would also say, uh, just keep doing the work keep doing the work. Like you got to love the work. If you don't love the work, it's not going to be for you at the end of the day, because sometimes this career is about doing the work without the gratification of booking the job or without the gratification of getting to do the show. Sometimes it's about doing work for work's sake. So fall in love with that for yourself, which I mean, oddly enough, what a great time because there's no opportunities. So right now it can be about the work and you don't feel like, oh, you know, you're not comparing yourself to anybody else. Everybody's in the same position. So this is actually a great opportunity for young people to learn to fall in love with the work. And then for people like me to learn to re-fall in love with it so that I'm not so hung up on, you know, the, the booking and the, and the doing and I learned to re-fall in love with um, kind of the, the aloneness part, you know, like we fall in love with being in a cast and in a crew and, and having the best time with all these people and creating and playing and it hurts so much to miss it right now, but there is a, there is a, a centeredness and, and there's work and there's uh, a passion that, can, that exists just within you. And if you have that like super solid, I feel like that can carry you through lots of disappointment or it can carry you through, you know, things that feel unfair and it can carry you through times where you don't have the work you want yet. So good. Answer. Okay. So, um, <laughs> that's really good. Answer. Wow. Okay. Thank you. So, I've thought a lot about this. I have yeah, a lot wisdom, of time in my hands. Wisdom, all the way. So for more wisdom like that. Yes. Where, where can people follow you like on uh, social media? On the social media, uh, I am the Amanda Kruger, as in the only one. So T-H-E, Amanda Kruger, K-R-U-G-E-R. And then uh, I'm on Facebook as that too, but I don't really post to my Facebook page and I'm not a, a tweeter. So it's really just the Instagram. <laughs> Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. And for exclusive interview footage from this episode and more in the future, you can go to at Backstage with Becca B on Instagram. Bye.